Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. everyone and welcome to another episode of Archaeoanimals, the podcast all about zoo archaeology. And now for this particular episode, we were going to celebrate the fact that we've hit 50 episodes, except that that was last month. I mean, we never said we were good at counting or maths. Or at introducing ourselves, by the way, I'm Simona Falanga <laughs> and, 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 and with me... <laughs> and yes, it would also me, Alex Fitzpatrick... You know, we're keeping it fresh and funky by changing up our intro at episode 51. Keeping you on your toes. Yeah. We were going to celebrate our 50 episodes with um, a bit of a lighthearted one, where I guess we'll offer some of our hottest takes. <laughs> Which we've never done before, to be fair. No, especially um, not you. No, I've, I've never given a take in my life, to be honest. It's been zero days since the last take was given. Ooh, yeah, probably. <laughs> but yeah, we will be giving our hot takes, which again, we've never done before. We've never been opinionated on this podcast, but we'll be listing our top 10 animal bones, which obviously sounds a lot easier than it actually was in retrospect. Yeah, we'll also give out some of our least favorite animal bones which we've never talked about on the show either so people will be very surprised well i guess in this particular episode we'll be slightly more specific than like i hated this entire order of animals for no particular reason i mean you know speak for yourself to be honest <laughs> but yeah so i guess we'll we'll start off by talking about so you know we did our our, our top 10 list the way that i think most people do top 10 lists so we'll start off from the bottom of our 10 and we'll work our way up to number one so you know we'll let that anticipation build and whatnot and then during our our next segment we'll we'll go a bit uh down the other road and talk about our our top or that's not that really top amazing. three that is so it you get, it's you get our worst apple bones bottom three well done Bo- bottom just the worst. They're the worst animal bones. We don't need to number them because they're just sitting in the bottom of the pile anyway. Yeah, and I guess that in part three, we'll reveal our five top animal bones. Very exciting stuff. Very hard-hitting journalism going on here. I'm trying to do a drum roll, but you see I'm doing a slight drum roll on, on Bastet and it's a, the, the sound's not quite carrying as it should. Mm. She must be. She needs to be thicker. Or more hollow. I don't know. I don't know how sound works. <laughs> but she, but she's purring, so she's happy enough. Nah, okay. Nah. I guess we should get started then. Okay, so for number ten, my personal pick, and this was hard. Like I, I, I need to stress, like 
It was harder than I thought it would be. But like just, oh, top 10 animal bones. But you actually you have to sit down and think about it. Say, but do I like this bone more than that bone? And then you try, oh, I think I'll go for this bone. Oh, no, Alex already put it down. Oh, <laughs> But yeah, no, I guess for my 10, number 10, I would go for tibias. No particular species, just the tibia. Because personally, because a lot of animal bones are usually, when they come to us a couple thousand years later, they tend to be a little bit more on the fragmented side. And you tend to sometimes not have only have one of the epiphyses or no epiphyses at all. Or even worse still, it's juvenile and it's completely unfused. However, with our beloved reliable tibia and its nice triangular shape, mm-hmm. it stands out beautifully. Even if you get like a, a thing that's like an inch long. You're like, oh yeah, no, that's a tibia. I mean, what else? I do not know, but that's a tibia. It's it's solid. It's stable. It's dependable. I mean, what more can you want from the tibia? I mean, to be completely honest, I do agree. No, no, in no, that, no, no, the, the pun. What the the pun you the terrible pun you missed with tibia honest. Oh god, <laughs> we gotta start the episode over. Dude. <laughs> It's all I ever wanted. I hate this podcast. <laughs> I hate this so much. <laughs> we haven't even started, really. Anyway, getting it back to very important stuff. But I do agree because when it comes to IDing bones, obviously, there's some stuff that are very easy to see skulls and whatnot you know just like i know what that is but if it comes when it comes to the long bones i think the tibia is probably the most characteristic uh, even in a fragmented form because like you said the triangle bit is just mwah, chef's kiss great design love to see it it's just good it's just good stuff <laughs> And uh, yeah just to keep it on the super serious side uh, what is your number 10 listen I don't know if we've talked about this on the show. So part of me was like, we need to talk about it. Because it's, it's a very serious and important conversation that needs to be had. And needs to be done delicately with the kind of professionalism and sensitivity that people need for these kind of topics. And on the other hand, I do actually enjoy them in a way that is similar to a, a, a lover of art looking at an, a, a modern artist. And it's called the baculum, folks. Now, the baculum is a very interesting bone. We, as humans, do not have them. And I'm trying to figure out the best way to phrase this, but it's the penis bone. It's the bone that supports the penis. So... Don't think there's many other ways you can put it. (laughs) Yeah, I guess not. Like I said, humans do not have one. But many mammals do. And, you know, I, I have seen my fair share of them. And they're removing the, the uses of the, the bone itself, what it's intended to do, and the kind of jokes that a, juven- a more juvenile person may make about them. They're very, they're actually kind of interesting looking. So obviously, they are very different depending on what animal you're dealing with. And... As someone who has seen bacula, bacula from boxes to seals, boy, does that diversity really get reflected in bone. My gosh. 
what sort of brings them all together is that much like our, our tibia friend, you can't miss them. You can't. No, pretty easy. <laughs> also super, super rare. So Yeah, so it's kind of exciting to, to come across them. So yeah, sometimes a bit more difficult in that case to identify them to species because they're, you know, they, they can be kind of rare. And I feel like a lot of reference material uh, collections don't always have them. But some people like me who are, you know, very thorough in our collecting do have, say, uh, a couple of different dog breed ones that someone sent them. So if everyone, anyone ever needs a reference, just let me know. Yeah, Moving well, on. Uh, well, context, Alex, for all your, your baculum reference needs. I have no idea what they put, but it boy, did it get to my house. Well, no one else would probably know what it is. I mean, I, you know, I've talked about baculum to people in archaeology who aren't zooarchaeologists, and they've just never known. And it's it's kind of fun to talk about it like that, because in the back of my head, I'm just like, I'm talking about a penis bone. I have a PhD. It's fine. Right, for number nine. For myself, I have gone for boar tusks for no particular reason other than they look pretty. They are very pretty. And they've got very distinctive, like, rectangular base that I kind of appreciate. If that, That's very strange to say, but... Yeah, I guess there's also, like, correct me if I'm wrong, the male tusks, there doesn't tend to be a root because they continuously grow throughout their lifetime. Yeah, which is very cool. But no, they're very pretty, and obviously they're used often in decorative and ornamental type of artifacts, and sometimes in ritual type things. So, you know, mark that down on your uh, bingo for the, this podcast. But they're very cool. Uh, I didn't even think about those, and now I kind of wish I put them on one of my lists. But yeah, I guess I will go with my number nine, which is a, a, just a simple rabbit femur. There's a, a bit of a theme in my list. And obviously, uh, for listeners at home, we encourage you to maybe pull up Google images and look these up. I don't know. Maybe we'll figure out a way to kind of just collect a lot of these images and put them in on Twitter, maybe. And but yeah, the rabbit femur is this very nice and kind of like curvy looking type of bone. It always reminds me of like a claw in some way. But you'll you'll notice this in my list. I, I The kind of bones I like are very interesting looking and curvy and has nothing to do with like actual use. It's more of a aesthetic judgment. It's like we've both gone for aesthetic in this uh, number nine. <laughs> True. Um. For eight, again, I guess much like the tibia, is uh, not a bone that I particularly like, per se, but it's just one that tends to aid identification, so to speak. And my random choice is uh, <laughs> an amphibian ilium. Yeah, I actually never have seen what an amphibian ilium really looked like, because I don't really work with amphibians, so I'm, I'm glad you put that. Well, it just looks like, of course, it has sort of the articulation that'll go into the femur, and then it's almost like a, almost like a rib-like thing that sticks out of it. Mm -hmm. That's my professional description of it. And again, because amphibians are notoriously annoying. 
to ID to species. Unless, of course, you're very experienced or like you're specializing in amphibians. A lot of stuff tend to go down as like either frog or toad because with some bones, you just can't tell. <laughs> the ilium, though, if you have a complete enough, is one of the ones that tends to be a little bit easier to ascertain whether it's frog or toad. So it just gives you a bit of a win with amphibians. It's a win. Ah, so so the theme of our lists are either aesthetically pleasing or it makes our lives way easier. <laughs> That's fair, I think. You get a nice complete alien and you're like, oh yeah, I know this one. <laughs> That's a frog. I'm so smart. <laughs> <laughs> That's all we want. We just want that validation, really. Speaking of validation, I guess, this is more to validate my my phd work but my number eight is the great auk humorous which i mean bird humoruses are actually as much as i like to complain about bird bones for being small and fragile and annoying the humorous i find very aesthetically pleasing they're very bulbous and kind of round and just very interesting looking and the great auk in particular the great auk bones are very distinctive in that they're they're very curvy and i think a lot of the kind of like puffin type of that family of bird have very similar bones and they're up to the point where i think they curve almost like an s shape which is extremely fascinating to look at but obviously i've got a great affection for the great auk since working with a lot of their bones during my phd i even have for those of you who don't follow me on social media i have a great auk tattoo because they are very cute if not extremely depressing to think about and which is like me i am also very cute but extremely depressing to think about so you know a lot of kindred spirits basically so i felt like i had to put them on this list for sure okay i mean for (laughs) i can't comment to that (laughs) i was more focusing on uh, trying to remember how to count i was struggling (laughs) struggling with that too don't worry (laughs) My number seven is also a bird bone. I guess it would be like avian in general. Mm-hmm. It's a bone that I particularly like. But again, it doesn't particularly necessarily aid you with identification. Okay, so it does just birds. I don't know. Anywho, it's the bird metatarsus, which sounds like a bit of a mouthful, but I guess it will be the equivalent of our metapodials. And the reason I like it is that, well, I particularly like the distal end of it. I find it aesthetically pleasing for some reason. It just looks like it's got tons of little prongs. Mm, yeah, I get what you mean. It, it is. There's a lot of bird bones that are really aesthetically pleasing, even if they are very annoying. Yeah, I mean, like, I guess, like, though, if you get a complete tarsometatarsus, like, you can identify it to species. But I think with birds, we have such a wide variety of species, many of which are wild. Is it unless mm. you've got access to sort of a museum that has an extensive reference collection, you're just, you're, nay. Uh. <laughs> but other than that, not really like it. And of course, depending on the bird species, uh, you can get a, a spur to the side of it. So you get that in roosters. Yeah. You get sort of that little spur on the side of it. And that's, it's, it's, sometimes it's like really chunky. It's very exciting too, to be honest, when you get a spur. But yeah, I will go to my number, what are we, seven? Yes. <laughs> and uh, a, a dog, Calcanus, which is just, it makes me laugh because it looks like a little shoe. 
And like, I guess that's helpful in terms of kind of figuring out spatially where the calcanus is. Like not necessarily, it's not the foot bone per se, but it's in that area. In the general region. Yeah. And they look like little shoes and I think that's fun. Yeah, I guess it'd be like the canid one in general, because the wolf is, very, to be fair, yeah. I wouldn't be able to tell the two apart. Yeah, it's a bit. Yeah. That one's really big, but then certain dogs are really big, so. Yeah, that's always a pain. Okay, but we have somehow made it to number six. <laughs> I shall keep this brief. Again, any species, n- n- yeah, no particular taxon. Scapulars. Well, from an ID point of view, they tend to be a pain because if you get like a small fragment of it, because <laughs> also because, of course, the, the scapula itself, it is quite thin. So it does mm. fragment a fair bit. And then you get like a scapula that's smashed into like 56 bits. Then <laughs> you just like question why you're doing this. But what I do like scapulas for is any modification that might have taken place on the bone. Sometimes mm-hmm. you can find perforations of it, so where people would have hung them up to say, like, smoke them or salt them, or sort of burning, as you find in a lot of sort of pyromancy practices. So, and that's what does the scapula for me. No, that they, they are very cool, but yeah, uh, if they're fragmented, I'm just going to start putting down unidentifiable. Anyway, my final one for this bit at least number six are deer frontlets which is kind of cheating i think because it's not really a bone per se it's a part of the skull kind of the the frontal area of the cranium plus the bit that where the antlers usually come from and again it's more of an aesthetic thing uh we talked about it in a previous episode we talked about star car and the fabulous deer frontlets that they have from that site i've had deer frontlets from my site from my phd they're just extremely cool and there's so much interesting things that could have been used for with regards to ritual or costuming and things like that they're just they're cool it's a cool cool look no wonder why they're still very popular as hunting trophies to this day. But yeah, yeah, we sped through that pretty good. And I think we can take a break and then we can get into the real juicy stuff, which is the worst bones on the planet. So yeah, see you later. And we're back with part two of uh, this episode of Archeo Animals, where we rank our favorite animal bones. <laughs> Except not this time, because we will be ranking down our, our our least favorite animal bones i really don't know what the the proper terminology or phraseology is for this but these are just the worst right yeah, this is the, the the rock bottom the bone bottom the, 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 the i cannot even bones yeah i mean unsurprisingly i feel like we may have we may have talked a bit about these kind of bones in the past uh, maybe once or twice yeah but don't be too hard on yourself <laughs> but yeah i mean you know we're both professionals so this is obviously professional opinions and should be taken not with a grain of salt but with the you know kind of uh reverence and respect that you would you know any other kind of work of art yeah just yeah the, the respect that our gravitas commands yeah. <laughs> well, I guess I'll make a start again. Number three, least favorite animal bone, are horse teeth. 
So now, while in general, I do really like teeth because, of course, you know, they're very easy to identify to species or to what tooth you have. Even if it's partial, you can normally work it out. And horse teeth per se, you know, that they are aesthetically pleasing enough and they're quite, you can't miss them. No, some are very cuboid in shape and just very long. So you, you, you can't miss a horse tooth. However, say you've got a whole mandible and you want to age it. Uh. <laughs> the way you uh, age a, a horse mandible doesn't quite work the same way. Like uh, so, some of the mandibular wear stages you have for, say, sheep and cattle is just it's just so much faff, and I just cannot even. That's fair. <laughs> um, and also, of course, yeah, if you do get loose teeth, I mean, of course, again, I'm speaking from someone who's quite early careers. So, of course, people, many people, probably disagree with me, but just. They mostly all look the same. No, you're right. Like, okay, you have your mandibula, you have your maxillary, okay? Uh, that far, that's fine. But in terms of, is it a, a fourth premolar or a first molar? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right, and you should say it. <laughs> yeah, just equus caballus, mandibular tooth. It's end. that thing where, like... Again, I similarly, very early career still. I know this is something you learn with age, but there's sometimes where I see people who are like so specific about their identifications where I'm like, no, you can't do that. That's not that's not a real thing you just did. No one can do that. Uh, maybe I'm just not good at zooarchaeology. No. I, I, I'm sorry, I cannot tell you. Oh, this is a horse fourth premolar. It erupted on a full moon on a Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> Be like, oh, what's a Wednesday? Spoiler. Um. It's, yeah, I mean, I know you could do that. I could do that probably with time and like little time. I mean, if I had one tooth and was able to spend like a month looking at it and like doing the research, <laughs> I could do it. But there's just like, I know some people who will like pick up a bone and just be like, ah, yes, this is the uh, whatever, very specific tooth or whatever. And I'm just like, ha no, like, teach you me. can't. Teach me. <laughs> You can't do that. No one can do that. I refuse to believe that. I feel like early on, I think it was one of our earliest episodes, I remember you mentioning something about wanting to develop like a, a C14 vision. Oh, yeah. yeah. Gosh, I would love that. <laughs> I still want it. How have we not progressed that far in our archaeological science and technology? There you go. Give, give Alex funding to develop C14 vision. That's my new postdoc, yeah. But when I when I mean C14 vision, I mean I want to implant something into my eyeballs so that I can like scan it, or like I want to look like Cyclops from the X Men. It's, it's a look. It's a look. So what's what's your third least favorite? Well, it's actually very similar because I chose pig teeth in general, all of them, but specifically the molars because again, I think I've definitely talked about this on the podcast before. Pig teeth are just horrible to look at they're just so bad to look at i don't like looking at them not boar tusks or anything those are cool but like the molars and the premolars uh it's the the f phrase that i always like to use is it's like you took a human tooth and put it in a microwave and let it pop like popcorn that's what a pig tooth well, that, looks that, like that's uh without that taking that imagery aside uh, what i was going to say is that i thought they looked like popcorn just take it yeah, out. it's horrible. <laughs> I don't, I don't and, mind 
them. I mean, like the the M1, M2, like a, a bit iffy, but then you get that, you know, sometimes in sheep as well, if you don't have a full mandible, like, is that an M1 or an M2? Uh, uh. <laughs> I mean, third molar, easy peasy. Yeah, I mean, and I think it also just gives a lot of problems for non-zero archaeologists, and I don't blame them because they do kind of look like human teeth. And I won't name the institution that I was doing some work at, but this unnamed institution in their archives had a box of allegedly human bone. And when I went to look through it, it was a lot of pig teeth. And again, I don't blame them that they they do look like they could look human. But I was just like, wow, this is the worst tooth. Tricking everyone. I, I don't mind them. They're okay. <sighs> Pig apologists over here. They're okay. Then if you like want to take measurements off it to determine if it's wild boar, then like, that's, that's a discussion for another day. And for someone better prepared. Eh. Anyway, what's your next one? Rodent bones. Mm, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> of which you tend to get a lot of. Yep. Mostly very fragmented. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would think, you know, you could go by size. Okay, it's rat-sized or it's mouse-sized. But, you know, there's at least, like, three species of mouse I can think of off the top of my head. All of which reside in Britain and have done so for millennia. And there are people who allegedly can tell, based on the bone, what type of uh, rodent it is. Like, not rodent, but, like, rat. I mean, like, if it's complete, you can. But again, it's just it's one of those things that you do need reference material. Of course, unless you're very experienced and you go like, oh, yes, how, wood mouse. No, they're, I, they're lying. I've decided. <laughs> And the same like with vol, be like, okay, like you can tell, okay, this looks vol-like, but is it a field vol? Is it a bank vol? Anyone who can do that by eye is too powerful to exist, <laughs> not only in this field, but on this planet. That's my new hot take. I can tell you, the one rodent bone, I guess the one notable exception I'll make for it, is the, the, the love, the delightful pygmy shrew. Mm-hmm. Because it, it's shrew-like and it's in the name. It's very small. <laughs> so there's really only one thing it can be. Pygmy shrews are okay. I'll allow it. Eh. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> what about you? Yeah, okay. Well, I'm not really going to go that specific with this because my next worst bone is all ribs and vertebra of all species and any species. And I include human into that as well. I mean, I was going to put that down myself, but you beat me to it. It just, ribs are just there to cause a nuisance. Listen, I can, I will give myself credit in that there are some species that I can at least be like, oh, I know what that rib is. Like pig ribs, I feel like are very characteristic. Seal ribs, I also find very easy to find. Everyone else, I'm like, I have no idea what that is. I can't tell you where it is either. I mean, specifically for humans, that's like a whole other can of worms. I I think, again, I've probably told this on the podcast before, but when I was doing my master's and I took uh, a module in human remains, a lot, you know, you, you get expected to like lay out a whole skeleton. And I just 
would literally fall to pieces like the skeleton itself when it came to trying to put the ribs and the vertebra in order. It's just, no. And vertebra, I will admit, slightly easier than ribs, particularly with identifying the species. Again, a lot of species, particularly like, you know, avian species and fish, they all look very different, very particular. And I could also tell you, you know, is it a lumbar? Is it cervical? Is it a, a thorax vertebra? But after that, I, I could not tell you the number. I can make it up probably. It's a, it's a vertebra. It's a rib. And it ends there. Yeah, because like the worst of them all being the caudal vertebrae. Oh just, god! Just, just, just no, it's the worst. No, <laughs> I just got flashbacks. So many, so many Excel spreadsheets where it just says CDV and then no species. Because <laughs> I was just like, I don't know. I couldn't tell you. It's it's a it's a caudal. Oh boy, oh, it's bad. Could have put like a cheeky medium mammal in there. But even still, there's, you know, once you get to the end, uh, yeah, no, no, then it's just no. like, it could be a very big animal with a very long tail. Very teeny, like the, the hashtag, the littlest tail. Ugh. But yeah, so they're on my watch list. So watch out, all yeah, ribs like, and vertebra. No, but I agree, like vertebrae, definitely a lot easier than ribs. I mean, you can locate them easily enough sort of on, on the vertebral column, sort of where they are. Maybe, okay, going into like C3 or C4. Okay, that will depend. But usually you can, you can locate them all right. You can ID like a good chunk of it to species, but generally a bit belligerent. Ribs, just no. Mm-mm, no, no, bad. Can't even side them. <laughs> Although like one redeeming feature of ribs is that you do where you do tend to see a lot of butchery marks. On the other hand, that makes it worse because then I'm like, oh, there's butchery. I could not tell you what species this is. No, but then you can't tell. Okay, like it's a medium mammal rib, you know, it's got a chop mark. You're like, oh, I like it now. It's how they've portioned this little joint of meat and that, you know, like it's, I like finding butchery. Yeah, I guess. Especially the ones where you get some of the chop marks where they, they were trying to chop something and they missed so many times. So you just have yeah. to- <laughs> <laughs> That's To be fair, that is quite fun. Because it's just like, oh, wow, I existed back in the day. <laughs> My inability to do anything right when it comes to cooking. <laughs> it's, it's just me. My, I, my like reincarnation back then, just completely missing the mark constantly. Yeah. Shout out. So there you go. That's a, that's a read and feature of ribs. And for my top least favorite of all bones are cranial fragments. Yes. Now, skull. <laughs> Complete skulls, which again, very rare to come by under archaeological conditions. You may have most of a skull in one, pe- one piece at a push. That's all mm. nice and good. They're lovely. They're aesthetically pleasing. They're easy to identify. You know, that's fine. A lot of what you get are small little cranial fragments where literally all you can tell is that those are bits of a cranium of a critter of some description. (laughs) And it's usually not isolated. You don't get one or two cranial fragments. No, you get 250. Oof. (laughs) All in one pack. Yeah. It's all sharp, not. It's just... Mm. You're like... I mean, because the problem is because it's so fragmented. 
Like, okay, it's likely it's all from the same cranium, but really, you can't say that. <laughs> it could be four craniums in there, for all you know. Do, do you know what I mean? <laughs> the only thing worse than fragmented cranial bone is f- fragmented, partially cremated cranial bones. And then that's when I just start crying uh, and just go, mm, maybe this field isn't for me. Maybe I should become a lawyer or something because it, it bad. And again, there's people, I know there's people out there who are able to be like, oh, but this is the the the, the parietal bone thing, whatever. And I'm just like, no, it, oh. it just looked like flat bone. I thought you were going to say the people out there that were like, we're doing zoo archaeology and then had like cranial bone fragments and went, no, I'm not doing this. I'm becoming a lawyer. I mean, they probably exist too, because it's just, I completely fall apart with cranial bone fragments. And to be fair, I think, I think for the most part, people are understandably forgiving if you're just like, I can't ID ID this to species. I can tell you it's cranial. But other than that, it's just whatever. But, you know, it, it gets annoying when there's so much of it and you know that like, it's probably, especially like, there's definitely been times where I've had cranial fragments and then like a couple different species uh, represented in like mandible fragments. And I'm just like, could be one of these, could be all of these. And obviously for like work that I've done, it can, it it's important to kind of be specific because of, de- you know, funerary deposits and things like that and everything having some kind of meaning as to, you know, are they removing this part of the cranium, putting it somewhere else and whatever. So It, it can also be none of the above. Yeah, it you also can, have, can just be nothing. <laughs> a sheep mandible, a dog mandible, and the cranial fragments are actually from a cow. Cursed. Cursed bone. Hate it. <laughs> so what have you got for us? Well, I decided to kind of, you know, change it up and do something different. Something that no one's ever heard me talk about before. Or something that people wouldn't really you know, expect me to say. So my worst animal bone is fish, all bones, all species, all the time. (gasps) This is brand new information. Now, of course, if you want to hear my detailed thoughts about fish bones, you could, I don't know, listen to the last 50 episodes of this (laughs) podcast. I believe I've probably talked about it in every single episode. But just a refresher, they're fragile. They're annoying. They're small sometimes. Do we have a whole episode of fish? We do. I think we might. Yeah, I think we do. And we're both very annoyed the whole time because we don't want to talk about it. No, no. And even more annoyed when we found out it was the episode of our one year anniversary of the podcast. Oh, no. I forgot. <laughs> That's so cursed. <laughs> we're so bad with knowing our anniversaries. Just, just to keep that self-loathing going. Oh, gosh. That's awful. <laughs> That's horrible. But yeah, I don't I don't think there's really much more I need to say about how much I hate fish. They're just bad, folks. They're real bad. Sorry. They're, they're, they're annoying. And uh, yeah, if you know yeah. fish and you're good at fish, teach me. Yeah, you're just, you're like a mutant. You're like a superhero with very cursed skills. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's weird. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's just weird. Again, is an again another one of those things where you need extensive sort of reference to work off, and even then, yeah, it's a, it's Charles- a skill. It's like a a, a, a sub discipline in its own right within zoo archaeology. 
Yeah. Anyway, shout out to the University of Nottingham for having that amazing fishbone reference. Oh, yes. Uh, which, if it wasn't for that, I would not have finished my master's uh, dissertation. But I think we can get off this kind of negativity, take a break, and come back with our top five animal bones. Instacart shoppers know groceries. They know that you can't make guacamole with rock-hard avocados. They know how to quickly find those peanut butter pretzels you can never find. And they keep you in the know by giving you updates about your order along the way. Let Instacart shoppers help take shopping off your plate so you can get time and energy back for what really matters. Visit instacart.com or download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum order $10. Additional terms apply. Instacart. Add life to cart. And we are back with Archeo Animals. We're talking about our favorite and least favorite animal bones to celebrate 50 episodes of this podcast, which is still completely wild to me. But hey, normally this would be case study time, but because that time of the episode is always so special and amazing and wonderful, we're instead going to talk about our top five animal bones. And I guess in a way, like this whole episode has been a case study of us. Just being bad at zoo archaeology? (laughs) (laughs) Just not being the people who should be hosting this podcast. I am sure most people in our field have their least favorite animal bones. And actually, if any, if there's anyone out there listening, please tell us what your favorite and least favorite animal bones are. G- give us your hot takes. Yes, definitely. <laughs> okay. There was a few hot takes right there. I think a bastard would just say that her least favorite bones... Uh, no, she said she was going to say dog bones, but actually it's good because if if they're bones, they can't bother her. (laughs) That's fair. Sorry, she's just grumpy at her dog sister, as she tends to be. For our favourite animal bones, so we're now on to number six. Five. Five? I can count. (laughs) Sorry, I got lost in the intricacy of the made-up personas I've made for my domestic animals. Yeah, um, right. So my uh, number five favorite animal bone are metapodials. Hmm. Again, any species, mammalian, obs, but any species is fine. And they tend to be, you know, like very easily recognizable especially when it comes to undulates so like sort of cattle and horse in particular sort of like again you can't miss it i like how dense they are so they preserve quite well the distal end is my particular favorite with uh with my professional description of of it as the rolly bits yes <laughs> they are so i i just really like metapodials and again usually like you can tell if it's a metacarpal or a metatarsal easily enough again tends to be easier with cattle sheep deer and horse but if you got enough of it like it's it's a fairly both easy and aesthetically pleasing bone to work with yeah I agree. And I do, I, I do like the, the rolly bits and that's exactly how I think about them too <laughs> Well, because I guess it's all about sort of the articulation they're meant to slot in. So they, yeah, they, 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 they roll. Listen, at this podcast, we're all about precision when it comes to our terminology. 
I will admit, I did not really put any chunky toes in this. <laughs> and I realized that right before we started recording. And for that, I apologize. I'm sorry to let all my fans down. The distinct lack of chunky bits. Yeah. So, and in, in, in a way, the, uh, my selection for my number five is actually a bit opposite of Chunky Toes because it's just, it's a skull and it's a, uh, you know, you might want to cover Bastard's ears. It's a cat skull because <laughs> I know, but they're just, they are so cute. They're so tiny and I don't know. It's just what, it's one of those skulls that I feel like really captures how small the animal is which is a very silly thing to say is obviously you look at the skull and you kind of get an idea of how big the animal is there's just something about the cat skulls that are just so like characteristic of what cats are like in in flesh what sort of like dainty but de- deadly yeah because you see like how dainty like the the, the the top part of their skull is and everything but then you see their little teeth and you're like ooh, they can get me and you know it's just they're very cute. I like them a lot. Uh, I'd, I'd like I'd like you to know that bastard has turned her back on the podcast. Yeah, I mean, meanwhile, my cat Violet uh, hates other cats, so she uh, loves cat skulls. I think, but but she's still purring, so you're not in too much trouble. Okay, good. But then again, she's she spends her life purring, so <laughs> things. And for number four, I have a skull of my own. Well, not not my own personal. <laughs> it's the it's badger skull specifically so the european badger melis melis mm, i get that yeah and now aside from it being well i guess not quite like the cat because it is quite a bit chunkier and the teeth are a fair bit chunkier and you think like oh yeah that would hurt but my favorite part of the badger skull specifically is the sagittal crest in male mm. badgers. Yes. Because now, for reference for those who are not aware, so you tend to see that in carnivals more. So like you tend to have a sagittal crest. So it's 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 in the word. It's a little crest that's at the top of the skull. And that tends to be more pronounced in males as opposed to females. And now that goes to some extreme in European badger skulls, where like if you get if you look up a photo of like a male badger skull, like they look like they have Mohawks. They do, yeah. <laughs> and I they love do. it. That's actually really cute. Have you ever thought how like many like small fragments of sagittal crests may have been mistaken for scapula? No, now you ruined it. Now it's not fun anymore. <laughs> it's not good. That's giving me anxiety. <laughs> well, to, to counteract that, I'm going to talk about my number four, which is a bone that's probably a bit more difficult to identify as anything else, and it's the seal tibia. Now, we already kind of talked about tibia with your pick, Simona, in the first half of this show, but I do like the seal tibia because, as I said before, seal bones have a very distinctive curviness to them, but also because they are marine mammals, the bones themselves have a very like porous type of texture to them, which is also very identifiable right away. But I also find very interesting to look at. And, you know, the, the, the seal tibia is a really interesting contrast between that kind of curviness as well as that general tibia, like triangular look. 
It's a it's a land of contrasts, the seal tibia. Yes. Okay, so I guess we're in the top three now. Oh yeah! Wow. Okay, so we have uh, okay number three. For me, again, very very broad. Apologies, but carnivore teeth. Because now, in general, I love all teeth. Of course, it's because I find them aesthetically pleasing. They're quite dense. So they you know they preserve very well. They're fairly easy to identify. Of course, you can do if you get more like a few teeth and a mandible because you can age the animal. You can do a lot of fun stuff with it. There can be some cool pathology, but my favorite of all are carnivore teeth for no other reason other than they're pointy. Yeah, I get that. (laughs) So I like a nice big, like, dog canine. Mm -hmm. My favorite ones will have to, however, be carnassials, which are the teeth, I guess, depending on whether they're mandibular or maxillary it's either the fourth premolar or the first molar Mm. i think it's the lower first molar and the upper fourth premolar and it's just because they're just so distinctive and they have all these like pointy cusps and i think i particularly like the cat one because again it's so distinctive it's just got the two it's like v-shaped with the two cusps and uh yeah can't miss that one i mean bastard can because she doesn't have any of them left Oh, you, you didn't hear that. You didn't. <laughs> I'm looking at, so again, if you're, if you're not following me on social media, I've got loads of animal bone tattoos, but in particular, um, I have two uh, mandible tattoos, one of a lower mandible of a cat and one of a lower mandible of a dog. And you can see those uh, carnassials really well. They are very distinctive. And uh, they are, they're like little, I always think of them as waves, little wave shapes. Yeah, I don't know. They're and I cool. guess that the, the seal teeth would be quite cool as well, because because they they're carnivore like teeth because they're specifically adapt adapted for a fish diet. Mm-hmm. So they're like multi cusps, and they're all like just like a little wavy zigzag. I like them. I yeah, well, about seal teeth. Seals are the dogs of the sea, and I've definitely seen a couple times people who have mistaken seal mandibles for potentially like canine like wolf or dog, uh, which is very easy to do. So definitely uh, kind of pretty similar. And again, unless you work in a coastal area, like your mind isn't going to go to seal. For sure, yeah. You find something like it, like in, in the, the dead center of the country, be like, oh, yes, seal. If it is, though, very cool. Yeah. And uh, I guess I'm going to kind of go chunky, but not completely chunky toes, unfortunately. Again, sorry. But my number three, again, had to think about what number that was, is the cow humerus. Because it is very chunky and distinctively so. And like I said, I love, I kind of love a a humerus. Again, that curviness of, um, you know, the the distal end is very aesthetically pleasing. But there's something about a cow humerus that's just so chunky and stubby and fat that I love. And again, very distinctive. <laughs> hashtag chunky arms. Chunky arms. Hashtag ch- arms. Ch- ch- chunky front leg. <laughs> yes, they're not really arms, is it? <laughs> and I guess it kind of has a rolly bit of its own because of how it yeah. goes to articulate onto the the ulnar and radius. So yeah, they're just they're cool. They're they're just big, and I feel like you could really use them as a weapon if need be. Just saying. Okay. 
the horse one would be quite chonky as well, because I think the distal end is even like chonkier all the way across, like the, the rolly bit. Yeah, true. I haven't really thought about that. I guess maybe I'd just come across cow humor eye a bit more in like domestic contacts, but. Number two. I guess it counts. It does. I think it does. It does. I'm going for antler. Again, probably not the, if you get a small fragment, probably not the easiest to identify to a species. I mean, you can roughly like judge it by size. And if you forget about the fallow deer that you don't tend to see as much, aside from specific time periods anyway, be like, I can identify it. Um, but again, I personally like it because I think antler looks really cool. You also tend to see a lot of butchery and a lot of working on antler. So it's always very exciting and also it implies not necessarily hunting, but at least that people are utilising wild fauna. Yeah. That doesn't necessarily mean that they've hunted the animal because for all you know, they might have just collected shed antler. And in a lot of the case, like that, that is indeed the case. But it's still pretty cool because it's something that uh, deviates from your usual sort of common domesticates. And you go, okay, you got your sheep and your cow. Oh, and red deer. That's cool. Yeah, I feel like for the most part, if you find antlers, there's usually something somewhat interesting going on. Obviously, antler sheds exist and things like that. But, I mean, even, you know, if, if you're not talking about ritual or anything, plenty of people were able to use antler to work it into tools and things like that. So I, I feel like in particular, if you're looking at it in a context that has human activity, there's definitely something interesting going on. Although the downside of that that I find personally is wastage. So mm. some of the antler that gets sawn and discarded, you could have made so many beautiful <laughs> things with that, and you just chucked it in a pit. Unbelievable. I can't wait until the time travel exists, and the first thing you do is go back in time and start berating people of the past for not utilizing all of the antler. Just tell them off for being wasteful. Everyone else doing exciting, incredible things, and where's Simona go? And you're just waggling your finger <laughs> like, some people have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> like you're throwing all these things you could have used. We learned it from you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> well, I guess my, my number two pick isn't necessarily as interesting. And again, it, it may be surprising for how I, I feel about a lot of other bird bone. But I chose the bird Tibiotarsus, which I guess is like the opposite of your choice from earlier in that, well, not really the opposite. It's similar in that it's another kind of bone that's a combination of, you know, uh, bones that would normally be separate in other animals. Yeah. But I guess uh, it's tibiotar- one up, I guess, from the one I've mentioned. Yeah, yeah that is true. Yeah. But it, I just, again, it's the rolly bits. It's the bit at the end is like a little, like, perfect. It looks like the bottom of, like, a, a scroll. Oh, it does. Which I, I just, I think that's so delightful. And it's, again, it's so distinct. And, I mean, again, I think I've told this story in the podcast. But one of, like, most proud moments in my PhD was when I was given a bone that was like, oh, this is a human bone we found from sight. And I, like, looked at it within, like, 30 seconds i was like that's a bird because it was a tibiotarsis and to be fair it was a very big one turned out to be crane it's like a foot 
long and it wasn't even a complete tibiotarsis. So I can understand why, if, you know, you weren't trained in zooarchaeology thinking, oh, that's a human bone because it's so big. But it was just like, oh, it's so cool. <laughs> and it made me very happy to be able to say that. Okay. Shall we get, get our drum rolls in for our number one? Yeah. Will that be extremely annoying to have on audio? See, so, yeah, I'm trying to drum roll on Basti, but again, it's not carrying. She's just purring. You can, the drum roll can be her purring. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and the number one <laughs> is for both of us. Yes. The Astragalus. Astragalus. That's where the clapper or the applause starts. There you go. Yeah, we should we wait like five minutes for the applause of our listeners to die down? I assume they're giving us standing ovations. (laughs) So we'll give you you a couple seconds to, you know, sit back down. You know, thank you so much. We have, we don't have much time. We gotta like keep going with the podcast. Sorry, guys, but thank you, thank you, thank you. We appreciate it. Thank you. No, no, please don't start another round of applause it's fine please <laughs> please sit down please we need to finish this episode okay i think we're sorted <laughs> Oof. Right. yes although to be fair i said astragalus of any species but you wrote a especially a specific species yes especially the bovidae mostly cattle and sheep because they look like little toy cars and that's our favorite. We just talk about it all the time. They're little toy cars. They're so adorable. And again, you know, they're pretty. They're very dense. So they preserve very well, usually intact. Um, while you don't necessarily see that sort of in the everyday archaeological record uh, from an, an ethnographic point of view, there's a lot of very interesting sort of customs and folklore associated with astragali. Mm-hmm. Whether you have some that in some cultures are kept as talismans or some that are used for divination purposes. I think like sometimes different species are used to predict the future, like of something, whether it's like a sort of people or the chieftain, or like and they'll use a different set of astragalite from a different species. Mm. And yeah. um archaeologically, from an ID point of view, aesthetic point of view, ethnographic point of view, just very aesthetically pleasing and fascinating. Yeah, I think that hits all of the, the kind of key points that we've made in terms of our favorite bones. Aesthetically pleasing, easy ID, so it makes my our lives easier and just interesting in a, a broader sense. And I think that's a great way to wrap up our 50th episode celebration. And um, thanks to everyone who's been listening this long who may have just joined us and are really confused about all the weird jokes that we've made this entire episode go back and you can listen to more and you can find all of our episodes either on the archaeology podcast network website you can find them anywhere you get your podcasts if you are getting them from a platform, feel free to, you know, follow our podcast, leave a review. We always love that. We are on Twitter at ArcheoAnimals. Like we said, let us know what your favorite and least favorite animal bones are. And um, I think that's it. Anything else? Yeah. So like, thank you for listening. And we'll see you. Uh, see you next time. Yeah. See you in the next 50 episodes, I guess. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.
listening to Archeo Animals. Please subscribe and rate the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. You can find us on Twitter at Archeo Animals. Also, the views expressed on the podcast are those of ourselves, the hosts and guests, and do not necessarily represent those of our institution, employers and the Archaeology Podcast Network. Thanks for listening. This episode was produced by Chris Webster from his RV traveling the United States, Tristan Boyle in Scotland, DigTech LLC, Cultural Media, and the Archaeology Podcast Network, and was edited by Laura Johnson. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com.